This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour for this cloudy and rainy Sunday day, but you can't get any better than this. We're at the Ultimate Leaf Fans, Mike Wilson's basement, and what a basement it is. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great today. How are you, Naz? Good. And we have Hall of Famer, former Leaf, and Montreal Canadian, Dick Duff. Dick, how are you today? Naz, happy to be here with you guys. Nice. What a spot, eh, Dick? What a beautiful spot this is. Yeah, it has everything that reminds me of the times when I played and uh, the people I played ahead of me, the people I played after me, and uh, the history of the team there. And the people in Canada, I think, are aware of the of the Leaf impact on them and their fathers or their grandfathers and, and the present-day team they have there got everybody excited again, and we all hope they do well. And we're going to have um, Frank Mahovlich calling in at 9.30, so that's a good friend of yours, right, Dick? Yeah, Frank's the big M. Uh, I, I always kid him. I said, Frank, you followed me out of the North Country to St. Mike's, to Toronto and Montreal. And uh, we both enjoyed playing here. We both were successful here. And uh, we both happened to get our hands on the cup six times. So I consider Frank one of the great players I ever played. Mike, describe this, uh, how you put this together. This is absolutely incredible. Well, this is a, a lifetime passion, and it, I mean, obviously, when I started, it, it wasn't expected to end up like this. Uh, I was just a young kid growing up in Scarborough, and I, the obsession of the game of hockey took me, and my team was the Toronto Maple Leafs. So back in the day when I was uh, following the team or starting to follow the team and play the game, I just became, as I said, obsessed with the game of hockey. So the Toronto Maple Leafs naturally are my fit. So anything with a Maple Leaf or any attachment to Maple Leafs, just had a habit and most kids were doing the same thing collecting cards clipping newspaper clippings and and just anything related to the team and it's just blossomed into this 50 years later do you get a surprise from a uh, look from everybody when they come down here because i was here for the first time tuesday night during a session for the 1931 maple leaf yes cup and you had some interesting people we had primo jackson family members clancy levitsky uh, living levitsky yeah a jackson family represented yeah and it was it was terrific. Um, people are surprised. I noticed that night uh, a lot of people who haven't been there been here were shocked at what you have. Well, I mean, it, it it usually is when the people walk down the 14 steps, which by the way is number 14 of Dave Keane, who was my favorite player. When they hit the bottom step, the expression is usually the same, and I never get tired of looking at the overwhelming look that people have in their face. They just seem to be, and they're captivated by what's surrounding them. And it doesn't matter whether it's been. Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Derek Sanderson, Dick Duff today, uh, George Armstrong, and just, you know, over 65 Maple Leafs have visited. We've had three billionaires down here, politicians, you name it. And everybody, the best part about the whole thing, though, Naz, is that 
once people climatize themselves with the room, then all of a sudden their memories then start refreshing and the stories start coming. And that's the best part about it. You know, Joe, Joe Bowen was uh, speaking to us one time and we were talking about a Leafs Hall of Fame. Do you think that would go in the city of Toronto, a, Le- a, tr- a strictly Toronto Maple Leafs Hall of Fame? Uh, I think Mike? that... Uh, it, oh, sorry, Dick. Yeah, but no. no, I think we already had it. Didn't they pick the top uh, 100? No, guys? a Hall of Fame with Maple Leaf history. Oh, well, that would be great. I mean, that's uh, uh, this is this is Canada's team, really, even with the expansion and and uh, uh, and the French people in, in, in Quebec and across Canada. Montreal was their team, but really, uh, the NHL owes a lot to Foster Hewitt, in my view. Uh, he brought this to every par- every part of Canada. My father never had skates on in his life, but but he was a hockey fan. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the part about it is that I, I think. One of the things I try to take away from this room or explain to people is that it's about you don't have to necessarily be a Toronto Maple Leaf fan to appreciate it because it's about time, place, and history. And anybody who takes a look at any piece in this room, it always has a story attached to it. So then right away, a person can resonate with it because it takes them back in time where they were at that moment. Maybe it was the day they started school, they met their girlfriend, their father did something special the first time they ever skated, and then the historical significance that the piece actually means to them when they're taking themselves back in that moment. Incredible, uh, uh, the primos that night. I I was most impressed with, uh, they have the granddaughter and I guess the... and the brother. And brother. Incredible stories, incredible stories. And Primo, uh, I never knew this. I got more out of it that night. He was a very popular, popular coach and a popular player. Well, he was a gentleman, Joe, and you know, and and anybody who crossed paths with him uh, had nothing. Has obviously nothing good to say. I mean, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him, but the way Suzanne talks about him, Robert talked about him the other night, was just glowing. And anybody, I mean, Frank Mahovich, who's going to join us a little while, said he's the best coach he ever played for him, and he's at St. Mike's. And, I mean, you obviously crossed paths with him at some point. Dick, what was your when thoughts? I, when I passed here today, when I was coming here, when I come across Bloor and Jane, I knew exactly the house where he lived, right? Because I was there, and I saw him in a hospital before he died. He died at St. Joseph's Hospital. Right? And uh, the... Um, you know, he, he he won the Memorial Cup, the Allen Cup, and the Stanley Cup. And uh, there, there's a, there's a man that owned the, uh, the the all the farm near where Shacky had his golf course. And uh, Eddie said, Dick, come and see this man. And and he said, my father uh, loaned uh, Joe Primo some of the money to buy that business he was starting. And uh, he came back and paid him. And he said, here's the entry. He said, for you, there's no interest, Mr. Primo. Incredible. Gentleman Joe. He, he was well-respected. I, I was... I learned a lot that night, uh, just looking at the guys and the emotion of the kids and the grandkids. And, oh, my God, it's, it's incredible. Well, you have to remember, you know, Nez, I think the thing about it is, and, and you know, Dick alluded to uh, Foster Hewitt, I think what it is is that the generational passing of the torch, for lack of a better word, and in this case, the Toronto Maple Leafs, started with, you know, Con Smythe back in 1927 when he formed the Toronto team. And it's just been passed from generation to generation. And as Dick said, families would gather around the radio and listen to Foster Hewitt, and that was their only form of entertainment. So that bonded families. And then, of course, as kids grew up, they would pa- and they would be married, they'd pass it on to their children, and here we are today. So to your point about a Hall of Fame, I think it's critical and imperative that people learn a little bit more about the Toronto Bay Police because not only does it identify us as Torontonians, it identifies us as Canadians. Yeah, and an attachment to the Air Canada Centre may be the answer to that. What do you think, Mike? Well, we discussed that was what that. Joe, was, Joe was saying to us. Well, Joe has, Joe's been down here, and Joe's obviously a big fan. Um, it's just, 
you know, they don't have any room to, uh, we have discussed that with the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. a, a number of times, but they just don't have the room for it. But anybody from the Toronto Maple Leafs who's visited here and Brennan Shanahan, Larry Tannenbaum, they all just come down here, Mike Babcock and Mike Babcock wants to come back and learn a little bit more about the history. Everybody, once they get surrounded by this greatness uh, surrounding the rooms, it's just the passion all of a sudden comes out of the people that are visiting it. And they just, the, the urge to learn more just accentuates itself. Tell me well, a bit well, about all, you. All, all of us that came here to play here, whether it was at St. Mark's or the Marley's, uh, th- this team was embedded in us, okay, when they came back and won the cup after their last three games in the Stanley Cup Finals, and their pictures were on the wall. And every time we played in that building or walked through there, you know, we knew who the guys that were there ahead of us, and, and their record was there. And they say, if you guys are what we think you are, when you guys leave here, they'll be putting your pictures on the wall with the cup too. Uh, and, and our crew did that, you know, so we're really happy about that. And knowing all the guys that went, whether it was Harry Lumley or Harry Watson or Sid Smith or Busher Jackson. I never seen Busher Jackson play, but my guess is he won a scoring championship at age 21, that he might have been the best left when he ever played for the Leafs. Uh, and I put Frank real close by there. And then the rest you can pick, you know, Harry Watson, Sid Smith, myself, different guys, you know. So, so we all have a connection to it. And we always did, and I think it's being maintained. You know, uh, this crew now, I think the young guys that play there understand what playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs was all about. And the guys who played here ahead of them, and, and it only counts if you can get something done and, and, and it gets the people in Canada and the people in Toronto excited about their team. And uh, I, I'm kind of hopeful so that, uh, that somewhere down the line before too long that they could find a way to win the cup again. We're going to go to a commercial break, and then when we get back, we're going to talk to Dick Duff about his, uh, his career and uh, some of the things that uh, went on during the time he played for the Leafs and the Canadians. Rangers and Kings and Sabres are the teams, right, Dick? Yeah. Have I got them right? Yeah. We'll be right back with Dick Duff. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just thirteen ninety-nine for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We have Hall of Famer Dick Duff and Ultimate Leaf fan Mike Wilson in, in, the, in Mike Wilson's basement, basically, and I wish I had a basement like this. If my wife is listening, we need to fix finish the basement, and uh, this would be it for sure. Uh, have you had that before, Mike? I have that a lot. I have uh, some people who wanted to be buried down here. Guys <laughs> want to be married down here. Guys want to name their children after some of the Maple Leafs around the room. But, uh, again, it's just the appeal and, and the hold that this cop- hockey club has on people. And when you see this old history – it just once again gets everybody juices flowing, and they, they just you know just immediately fall in love with the Leafs again. Yeah, I, I, I've I've talked to Dick a few times this week, and we had the discussion on uh, where he he started, and that was uh, I guess you were born in Kirkland Lake, correct, Dick? Kirkland Lake, yeah. And the guys who preceded me at the NHL were Ted Lindsay, Gus Mortson, and Busher Curry, the better known ones. There were lots of players came out of the North Country, which you guys know either from Kirkland Lake or from uh, Schumacher, McIntyre, Timmins, you know, but uh, the Kirkland Lake guys, Willie Marshall, the Tommy Webster, the Plager brothers, the Mickey Redmond brothers, uh, Backstrom and Larry Hillman. I was born at 40 Main Street in Kirkland Lake at my aunt's place, and across the road was Rafi Backstrom at 33, and we got the cup six times. And on... Taylor Avenue, 124 Taylor, where I lived, and Larry Hillman lived on 8 Taylor Avenue, and we both got the cup six times. You know, guys uh, up in northern Ontario, and when we were kids, we played against each other, right? So, we talked to, we spoke to Lou Nanny earlier, Wally and I, and uh, Lou was saying all the players that came out of Sault Ste. Marie, it's incredible. Like Esposito, Lou Angotti, uh, Lou Nanny himself. Many, many players from the north, and not as many from the city of Toronto. Why was that, Dick? Well, I think. Uh, I used to kid everybody all the time and said, Dick, you guys were all really great skaters. I said, sure, because we were outside 20, 30 below zero because it was colder in my house than outside, so we stayed outside. <laughs> so, we're outside skating all day and night, all day. And if you want to go back up the north there, just 90 miles up the road, Schumacher, there's Mahavlitz, there's Costello, there's Barocco, okay, there's Bep Quidlin, there's, there, there's all kinds of... The North Country produced the players because they were always outside skating, 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 and, and playing hockey. And, and repeating what they heard Saturday night from Foster Hewitt uh, on the hockey games, and uh, their parents. I mean, it was it was every it was Canada's entertainment. The hockey on Saturday night that started at the second period. You know, you bat the kids and blah blah blah, get them to listen to the radio, and and then uh, hockey. And next morning, go and do it on the street. Well, I mean, I I, I mean, listen, I I echo that sentiment exactly, and that that's I think one of the biggest bones of contention that I have with hockey today with the kids. It's two-sided. One, what better way to learn to play the game of hockey than to go an outdoor rink, get a puck thrown in the middle, and trying to skate around 15 guys to put the puck in the other end. Whereas today, kids come home, 
there is any outdoor skating and you're not outside every day playing either on the street or at the local rink. They have shooting practice or they have off-ice training or they have whatever they have. But what that has done, though, on a half-empty, half-full scenario, it's allowed kids in Arizona. We know one kid from there who plays for this hockey club. Not a bad player. Not he's, a bad player. Looks like he's got some uh, ability. He's a cross between Dolovo and Mahavitz, this guy. Wow. And it just allows – well, there's a pretty good compliment right there. Uh, but, you know, it allows these kids to expand their abilities on the indoor rinks. But I think their pure passion is missing from some kids. Like we're losing kids, I think, at that, that mid-teen age because if they're not playing at a AAA level by the time they're 14 or 15, their careers are over. Which is a big expense, say, Mike, you know, to, and the to expense. play minor hockey for lots of kids. Say, but if a kid's playing outside, yeah. they're outside every day playing the game. And, you know, just it, and you know, again, look at all those guys who came from that. And the guys from out west, too, don't forget about them yeah. the same way. Exactly. Dick, you uh, ended up in St. Mike's. How did you get there? Well, you know what they did at Easter time? They used to have a hockey school in Toronto, and they, they brought about 50 kids down here from all across Canada. And then day by day, they sent some of them out. And my brother and I, Les, and myself, and a guy from uh, Jean-Pierre, Quebec, his, na his name was Andre Villemer. We were the last three guys. And in those days, you know, the, my brother wanted to play hockey somewhere. And in Brampton, they would pay you if you, if you went and played junior B hockey, and they, they would give you a job. So he wasn't interested in school. And so then I went back home. They said, Dick, you're pretty young. But we were the last three guys they had on their listing. And then when November came, 1951, the, the guy who was the manager, Mr. Dickinson, Doc Dickinson, he was a high school teacher. He was a Navy guy in the Second World War. And he was there when Lindsay and those guys played junior uh, juvenile hockey in the North Country. And he came in my grade 10 class. And he said, Dick, we have a telegram here that at least wants you to go on St. Mike's, right? November 1951. And so I said, I, I knew my mother would be happy. About I'll be there in the school, and these guys will be educating me. And uh, and so then I came in Toronto in 1951. We're not too far removed from here from the Castle Loma. I remember coming in a taxi into the, to the new St. Mike's School, St. Clair and Bathurst. And I had two dollars in my pocket, and, and I had to give a dollar seventy-five to the to the cap guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> You gotta keep those reminders in the back of your pocket. So that's it. And then, uh, then November, you know, from that time on, four years after, I was playing for the Leafs. Right. Now you said to me, uh, it's an interesting statement. You said that you guys would play against juvenile teams, and you were four, three, four years younger. Yeah, I think really when you talk Mohavich, Kent Douglas, Davy Keon, Dick Duff, all these guys from the North Country, when we were fourteen, maybe fifteen, we were playing against guys eighteen and under. Okay, juvenile hockey. And uh, the guys who were 17 and 18, the junior teams had already bypassed those guys. They, you know, they said, no, they're not good enough to come and play in Guelph or, or Kitchener or Barrie or St. Mike's or wherever it might be. And, and then when you got a kid in, in Mojave, you say, this kid's almost the best guy in this group, right? Or, or in, in my case, it might be me. We'll go to Naranda. And, and Davey used to come and watch us play then. He, he came after to St. Mike's. When, but he remembers when we played their holy name, Juveniles. And then that's when I came in Toronto, and then uh, we played junior B hockey here in Toronto two years. I was well coached when I got to St. Mike's. Father Ted Fleming and had seen all these guys go through St. Mike's way ahead of me, you know, whether it was Fleming McKell or Todd Sloan or Eddie Sanford. And, and I used to ask him all the time, you know, what am I supposed to do? And, and he was big on winning, and he was big on, big on being competitive. And, and the one thing that we had, whether it was Frank or me or David, we could skate all day, right? And... Uh, yeah, and, and, and we we could handle that part of the ice. And uh, I remember the second year I came back, which was very important for me. He said, Dick, you know, you have three years left in juniors. 
and the Leafs would probably like to see you play junior, B, uh, junior A hockey. But he said, I, I want you to play one more time with me and me, you win a scoring championship and maybe we could win the Junior B championship, right? So I ended a second in the scoring and we got beaten in the finals by the Western Dukes. But you know, that, that, was, that was a year where I got a lot of confidence, I got stronger. We're playing against guys 20, right? Yeah. We're playing against guys 20, some cases 21, 19. And then, then I went to two years to the St. Mike's, and, uh, and when I had one year left in, uh, in the junior hockey, they at least wanted me to play for them. Too. Your first Stanley Cup. Describe that. Well, you know, we, it, it was a dream for all of us, you know, and, uh, and, and we worked towards that, whoever the guy was. And at the 11-minute mark in the third period in Chicago, I went back to get the puck, and the thing skidded off my stick, and Bobby Hall put it in the net, one nothing for Chicago. And it took them about 15 minutes to clean the ice. And, and uh, Big Frank, who you guys are going to talk to, he made a super play after to Bobby Nevin and about a minute after we started the game back and tied the game. And then Timmy Horton and the Chief and Davey and I were on the power play. And uh, the Chief took it in down in the right side, gave it to Timmy Horton, and Timmy passed, passed the puck back to me. I was, I was coming to it through the middle. It, it, I always kidded him. He said, Timmy... Put the puck on my stick when you, you know the one that's in front of me. Don't don't make me turn around. <laughs> don't make me turn around and get it. So I turned around and get it and shot it. And there was about three guys there and had the thing sitting in the back of the net, right? And 14-14. Uh, I always say we scored a two keyons, 14-14, in the third period. And that was a long, long, long five and a half minutes <laughs> before that game. And we never won the cup before, so it was super. Now before that, when you when you were Coming out of junior, you got called up to play a couple of games with the Leafs. Right. And you walked into the Toronto Maple Leaf Club, you know, after your last year of June. Right. You started playing with two guys by the name of Todd Sloan and George Armstrong. George Armstrong, when he visited the room, suggested that Sloan doesn't get the credit he should for the centerman he was back in those days. He's and one then, of the great players. He's one of the great players, Todd Sloan. I think he was close. Because I used to always, who was the best guy I ever played at St. Mike's? And lots of the guys who know have seen them all say, well, Todd Sloan was as good as anybody. Okay. Uh, my all-time favorite person is, is, is Kelly, but, uh, and then when, when I played with Todd and, and the Chief, Todd Sloan got 37 goals in 1955. Okay, hadn't been done since 1945, and, uh, and uh, the Chief and I, we played together with him. We made the playoffs. The last game of the year, we beat Detroit 2-0. The next two years, we don't make the playoffs. The next year, 59-60, which was really the beginning of the team that was going to win the Cup. Now, we won seven out of the last eight games, and the Rangers lost seven out of the last eight games. And we beat, again, we beat Detroit in the final game of the year in Detroit, 6-4. And uh, then we made it even to the finals. Mahovlich and Jerry Eman really played good in the, in the semifinals. They, we put out Boston in seven games. And then we had one overtime game against the Canadians. And, uh, but well, once we got there, we knew what this thing was about, and to play against these guys. And, and these guys up-tempo the game when it counts. And, and I learned plenty from watching the other guys play. When I, when I watched the Rocket and his effect on, on, on the crowd and how they got them, how they got the, the, the hockey, the fans interested in the game. And the first five minutes in the game, I was always the guy that knew that lots of games could be settled early. The Montreal guys had lots of teams, two, three, nothing, before the things four minutes old. Well, one of the things I was going to ask you, but let's just go back to that 58-59 season, because when you came in to, with the Maple Leafs in 55, there were some pretty lean times for the hockey yeah. club. And they were going through some bad seasons yeah. but that 58-59 season you're instrumental in the team making the playoffs yeah. in the last game of the season you scored the winning goal yeah. T take us through that I run. got 29 goals that year and 20 were in the second half of the year and um, 
But it was my fourth year in the league. Um, you know, Detroit won four cups from the 50 to 54, okay? Two of them in the seventh game in overtime. Two of them from, from uh, oh, one guy, uh, Pete Babando, another guy before Bill Broca got it, and, uh, and Tony Leswick in the seventh game. And, and Lindsey was always my buddy. When he come home in the summertime, I would see the scrapbooks with all these guys in Detroit. But anyway, the, um, the, uh, the, the once we once we got there, fifty nine. Uh, then then Montreal won five cups, but we had Pulford coming to us, we had Brewer coming to us, we had Bobby Bond coming to us, we had Mahabits coming to us, and eventually Davy was the little final little you know, the little candle in the cake there for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we got Olmstead to come uh, from the Canadians off of five cups, and we got uh, Kelly to come from Detroit with four cups. Okay, we got Johnny Bauer who give us strength in the net there. So in around those guys, we had this the Marlers who won two Memorial Cups, and, and they had the same Mike's guys that that really played together and worked together, and uh, and we knew what play for the Toronto Leafs meant, right? And because there was six teams, I, I don't say it's it's almost impossible to win it today. And when expansion came, it, it wasn't as easy to win. I'm not saying it was easy when we won, but. You know, the, when, when they become 12, 14, 16 teams, there's lots of good teams who didn't win it. And you can't win it unless you're collectively a better team, even though the, some other team might have the two best players in the league on their team or, or more. They cannot beat a solid team that, like a team like the Toronto was. We could put Kelly in center ice. We could put Pulford in center ice. We could put Keon in center ice. Say, you guys match up against this, this crew, right? Well, now... The 1931, in the 30s, they had a group called, they, they were labeled the Gas House Gang. Now, you guys became pretty tight yourselves when you guys were winning Stanley Cups and you started building off the momentum of 58-59. Tell us about some of the stuff that used to go on with you guys. I mean, I think you were a bit of, you, you could be almost labeled as one of the gas house gang guys by teasing the defensemen a lot or you guys played a lot of jokes on each other and you had a lot of kibitzing going on. Particularly well, maybe with spent, Tim we Horton. Spent, we spent a lot of time together, and we're in the train and on the road, and when the team wasn't playing good, sometimes we'd sit down and talk about it. And... Uh, you know, we were we were young guys in great shape, and uh, you know we, we we were pursuing the same goals. And Timmy and Alan Stanley, you know, like the one thing about being being a pro, which which uh, you know you have to be conditioned and you have to accept what the coach wants to say because in juniors, you know, I had a certain job to in juniors the guy sort of run the show. Uh, if you play defense, you go in the power play, you say play center, you do whatever you want. You come to NHL and say. The guy, the coach would say, Dick, uh, that guy in the right wing, he can look after his side. He was a better junior than you, and he might even be a better pro than you. So you just leave him do his job, and you do yours, okay? You stay on your side of the ice. You help your defense guy. And so I used to kid uh, Alan Stanley and Timmy Horton. I said, oh, this is a kitty bar to door hockey all the time. Uh, the forwards all help the defense. Oh, is that right? Is that right? Yeah, we're always back here helping the defense. That's what we're supposed to do, Okay. And we could make a one-nothing game last for a minute. So then, uh, quickly, we were down at George's Spaghetti House one day, which is an Italian restaurant, and we used to go there after practice and have a little luncheon. We went upstairs. The guy said, you guys maybe go upstairs. Maybe we were talking too much. Anyway, so uh, I started this stuff about uh, the, the forwards and the defense guys, and they opened the window, and they grabbed me in the second floor. They said, what have you got to say about this now? <laughs> so I, I didn't say anything. I was very quiet. I said, you guys are nuts. I'm going home. <laughs> so, so, but, but every time I saw them after, when we were all retired, I said, I'm going to show you the film when I was playing with Montreal. 
and we started that third period. You guys won that 67 cup. You're lucky we didn't tie that game, or you guys never would have seen it. And I said, I hung two guys out to dry. Their name was number seven and number 26, if you want to check the numbers. Yeah, Dick, you were the only goal scorer in that game that the Leafs won the Stanley Cup 3-1 against Montreal. You were playing for Montreal. We're going we're gonna to be right back after commercial break. We're waiting for a call from uh, the Big M, and we'll continue talking to Hall of Famer Dick Duff. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from, call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour from the ultimate Leaf fan, Mike Wilson's beautiful basement. I still needed my basement done like this, Mike. I'm telling you. I can help you. Yeah. Well, that'd be nice. Hopefully, I can convince my wife of that, though. It's not hard. It's hard. We can do. You just got to start a little bit, a little bit at a time. Naz, just throw a piece up, and just you know, before she when she turns it back, throw another piece up, and just keep adding. Before you know it, maybe we can have the Hall of Fame, the Toronto Hall of Fame in Nobleton, Ontario, where I live. <laughs> uh, Dick, we get back to your career. Where we're just waiting on the Big M, and once he does call in, we'll just bring him online. Uh, Dick, the biggest goal you ever scored as a Toronto Maple Leaf? Well, I mean, when we won the Cup, it was great. You know I mean? Uh, you know, um, the one thing about, when I was a minor hockey kid at Kirkland, like, we won a few championships, but we never won in juniors, okay? And and uh, the, the, to win the Cup was, was the ultimate goal. So the, um, 
I, I would say that you know, there's a couple of overtime goals. Uh, I'll tell you one thing on juniors I, I, the, the, that I always feel it's important. We talk about St. Joseph's Hospital and, 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 and Dr. Melnick and, and Eugene was here the other day. Father Barr said, Dick, we've got to go and see this kid at, at St. Joe's. He tried to jump on a train in, in London, got his legs taken off, okay? And, and, and they're, they're putting the legs now and we're going to go and visit him, okay? And so we went to see him and... Um, and he said, well, you could come to the junior game sometime and, and, and see us play. He said, yes, I'd like to do that. So anyway, we got him to go to the game, and we played St. Catharines in those days, and Montreal Canadian Juniors played against the Marlboros eh? in the second game. Well, we tied St. Catharines 4-4, and I got the four goals for St. Mike's, and that kid was at that game. And he became a chartered accountant after and lived in the building behind the Maple Leaf Gardens there. And he was, from, he was originally from the East Coast, eh? And so, but Father Bauer was the guy that said, Dick, we have to go and see this guy. And, and uh, when he came in Montreal, Father Bauer used to come to Montreal. I said, Dick, how do you like to play for the Canadians? I said, oh, I love it here. These guys are enthusiastic. You know, the Kia, I mean, uh, Kia, and, uh, Conway comes in the room. He lights the room up, these guys. He said, Dick, enth uh, enthusiasm is a Greek derivative word, antheos. It means the spirit within. He think, you think those men that came here from Europe that were trained in all the classics and philosophy and history and English? I'll finish this later. <laughs> yeah, we just got uh, cued that uh, we have online, on the line, the number six best Leaf player and one of the top 100 NHLers ever, and uh, a Hall of Famer, of course, Frank Mahovlich. Frank, how are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. We have a friend of yours here uh, during our broadcast here, Dick Duff. Oh, Want to yeah. say hello to Dick? Yes, I do. Very good. Yeah. Hi, Dick. Francis Michael Mohavlich. Yeah. <laughs> zero, he's a zero-handicapped golfer, Frank, but he's a lefty, you know, so he has problems. Oh, yeah, that's he's for sure. He's close to being the best left winger ever played for Toronto. That'd be my guess. i never seen Busher Jackson play, but... Yeah, yeah. He could play in my team anytime. Well, Frank, we, we did all right, Dick. Frank, uh, the ceremony that retired your number at the Air Canada Center, how did you feel about that? You and Daryl Sittler were number 27, both were uh, right. retired. Uh, I saw your reaction, and it was tremendous. Mm -hmm. What were your feelings that day? Well, I, I just thrilled about it. Uh, I didn't get too many honors while I was playing in, in Toronto, not as well as I did, say, in, in, uh, in Montreal. They honored me in Montreal, and I only played there for about three and a half years, but we won two championships, you know, and... Uh, Dick was explaining to you uh, how great a, a team uh, that to play for that Montreal Canadian team was, and uh, they really honored you and uh, they appreciated what you did. Frank, uh, your career in Montreal—you were a very popular player there, mm -hmm. and uh, the series that you guys beat um, Boston. Boston were overwhelming favorite. Right, and I, I think you got there uh, during a trade. That's right. I was I was with Detroit, yeah. and uh, I got traded on January the thirteenth in uh, nineteen seventy one. And uh, Detroit was having big problems there. We had Ned Harkness, uh, uh, a new manager and coach, and uh, he was making uh, changes. So I ended up in in uh, Montreal, does he, does he know and Stemkowski, I believe, ended up in uh, in New York. And everybody was being traded out of Detroit. Uh, Frank, uh, we have uh, Mike Wilson here. Mike has uh, got the uh, 
the best basement I've ever seen of mem Leaf memorabilia. And oh, you've yeah. been here a few times. Yes. Mike wants to ask you a question. Okay. Hi, Frank. How are you today? Fine, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Doing great. How's your collection um, coming? Well, you know what? It, for some reason, it, it, there always seems to be something else to add to it. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, the emails don't stop. The phone calls don't stop. Oh, but, great. Uh, Good for you. And now Debbie says hi, but Debbie also, you know, is there to block uh, some of the calls I get uh, and, you know, double check things coming into the room occasionally. But I do sneak the odd thing by her. But what I wanted to uh, uh, talk to you about is a couple of things. Um, well, I got a number of things we could talk to you about. But uh, first off, uh, we, we mentioned Joe, gentleman Joe Primo. Uh, yes. when it's, and you played for him at St. Mike's, and you called him the greatest coach you ever played for. Yeah. Well, um, uh, gentleman Joe, he, he taught me a lot and uh, how to play and uh, uh, how to make turns and uh, uh, very all fundamentals, you know, in, in hockey. He was a great coach. He coached the 1951 uh, uh, Toronto Maple Leaf uh, Stanley Cup team where Bill Barocco scored that, that winning goal. And um, I came to St. Michael's. And uh, Joe was in the uh, cement block business, never had time to coach, but he he, uh, he would come out to the practices, and he was an assistant to Father uh, Crowley when I was there. And uh, he would sit he would sit behind the bench, but uh, Father Crowley would be changing the lines and what have you, but uh, Joe was always around, and I really appreciated that. Uh, I think uh, he was quite an addition to our team there when we, when I, we were at St. Michael's. Um, when you visited here the first time, this is that we had the WHA reunion with the Toronto Toros, right? And one of the guys in attendance was Gavin Kirk. Yeah. Now, Gavin tells me a funny story. He said that he was sitting beside you throughout the day and leaned over to him quietly and said, "You know, Gavin, you're the worst center I ever played with." <laughs> so now Gavin sat there for a second, stunned because he didn't know what to say. He said, "Geez, Frank, that's pretty harsh." And he just sat there quietly, then leaned over to him and said, "Well, I actually played with." Bellavo, Kelly, Keon, Delvecchio. You tell me. What was your so playing with those guys, uh, particularly Jean Bellavo, you actually played center for the Leafs one night and played against him. Tell us about playing with some of these guys. Yeah. Well, uh, Bellavo covered a lot of territory. He had a long reach and he was smooth and he, he controlled the puck. You know, once he got it, he, he set a lot of players up and. Uh, uh, he was a, a great hockey player. Alex Dalvecchio, um, a good skater, and uh, he could he could set the, uh, goals. And he he scored about twenty goals every year he played. I think uh, he was a, a great player. And Red Kelly, Red won four Stanley Cups with the Detroit Red Wings as a defenseman. Then he comes over to the Leafs and he fits in with me at center. And uh, we played together there for seven years or eight years, won uh, four, four more Stanley Cups. And uh, he, he did very well, a top, top centerman. And when I criticized Gavin Kirk, he gave me a pass behind my back. And I said, Gavin, you've got to be the worst centerman I ever played with. And then we mentioned Delvecchio, uh, Bellable, and Red Kelly. He says, geez, fourth on that list. That's not that bad, he said. <laughs> Now, do you remember your first All-Star game and who you played with in that game? Um, I'm not quite sure. I played about four, 15 games in a row, yeah. I think it was. 15 well, All-Star first... games in a row, and I, I can't uh, – I, I know I played with a lot of great players in, in that particular time, but I can't remember my first one or uh, – 
it, uh, it, oh, well, I didn't went... mean to stump you, but you know, your first your linemates in your first All Star game, if you remember, were uh, Alex DeVecchio and Gordy Howe. Oh yeah. And what yeah. nine years later, you end up playing with them full time. Amazing, yeah. That, let's that talk about the, let's talk but, about that trade you know, back in then. In the old days, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you won the Stanley Cup, you played the All Stars. And uh, that was an exciting time too. Like uh, we we'd often beat the All Stars uh, as a, as a team. Well, it was a result of that All Star game. Since you've uh, talked about it, that one of the most infamous non trades almost took place in a uh, a bit of a refreshment induced evening the night before be- between James Norris and uh, Harold Ballard. Oh, Walk man. us through that day for you. Yeah, that was uh, quite a, a statement um, and. Uh, I was having a problem with Punch Imlock, the manager, signing a contract. And then uh, James Norris came in and said, I'll solve the problem. And he was going to buy me, but they turned it down. And then the next, that same day, your contract problem all got solved and you signed, which was pretty much unheard of in those days, a four-year contract, coincidentally the same day the, all the uh, excitement broke. Just to get the listeners' perspective, Frank Mahovlich was sold at the time yeah. for $1 million back then. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Well, a million dollars at that time is like a billion dollars today, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you probably got it too, Frank. <laughs> I don't know. Now, Frank, you, you were involved with one of the biggest league trades ever. As a matter of fact, Dick was involved with, the, you, both of you guys were involved with Two big trades. One, you went to New York, Dick, and Frank went to Detroit. Please describe your reaction to being traded to the Detroit Red Wings. Well, uh, for me, going to Detroit at that particular time was a relief. And uh, Detroit wasn't going anywhere. They they uh, they weren't going to make the playoffs. And uh, I think it was about 16 games left in the season. And uh, we my brother was there. Peter was just a young rookie, and uh, he, he and I thought they were going to build a team around the the youth that they had there. But they they uh, they didn't wait too long. They they sold Peter that summer, and a couple other young players they they got rid of, and uh, put in a lot of older players. So uh, it was a great uh, great move for me to go to Detroit to play with Alex and and Gordy, and we had some great seasons there uh, as a line. But we never had. Uh, our defense was was lacking. We had Gary Bergman, and he was about our best uh, defenseman. Uh, Frank, you know, just now skipping for a little bit, I mean, six Stanley Cups obviously is pretty tough to, to match, but 1972, you got to play in probably the most iconic uh, series of hockey, you know, in today. It changed the game. Okay, the Summit Series is what I'm talking about against right. the Russians. Yeah. Explain your feelings coming in. Obviously, you know, did you guys have any any feel at all through that series? What was happening throughout the world of hockey and the impact it was having? Um, no, it, it, you know, when we started, it was like exhibition series. Uh, they sold us on an exhibition series against the Russians, and it turned out to be a world uh, experience. And uh, it was uh, it turned out to be a great series, and we were fortunate enough. Uh, uh, to win, but uh, the Russians put on a spectacular show. They uh, they were prepared and uh, uh, they played a competitive series. Well, what was your first reaction when you got asked to play in the series? I mean, did you, were you taking it as serious as you might have thought, or were you just thinking this is going to be an exhibition series and these guys, once we get all our boys going, we'll we'll handle these guys fairly easily? 
Well, I had a lot of respect myself for the, for the Russians, and when we got to Montreal for that first game, I was uh, surprised that the, most of the players were too relaxed and, and uh, they were taking everything for granted. And um, when uh, we stepped on the ice, we had a 2 nothing lead, and all of a sudden the Russians turned it on and uh, we couldn't catch them. They, they were all over the map and uh, they beat us out of the rink. And then we, came, we had to come back to Toronto and um, we, won, we won that second game and, and we, we knew that we were in a battle. Frank, describe playing on a line with John Beliveau and Yvonne Cornway. How oh, was that? That was that was a, a dream line. I played, I played uh, with Beliveau, and I got I got an assist on his 500th goal when I when I got uh, to uh, Montreal. That that particular season was his last year, and um, everything clicked. Uh, I mean, we seemed to understand each other, and. Uh, we went on to beat the, the Boston Bruins, of course, in the, uh, for the Stanley Cup and, and the Chicago Blackhawks, and um, it was uh, it was just wonderful playing with Ivan. And uh, I think he scored forty goals every year I played with him while I was in Montreal. And of course, playing with your brother, how did that? Uh, I mean, that obviously must have been pretty special moment oh, for yeah. as well. Pete, uh, Pete and I were killing penalties. We were doing a, a, a lot and. You know, we were in the Stanley Cup playoff, and he got 20 points, and I had 27 the year that we won in 71. And uh, he he and I killed penalties. We dominated. Once we got a hold of that puck, we hung on to it. And uh, we uh, I think we scored three or four goals shorthanded. Well, I don't think Peter scored a better goal than the shorthanded goal against uh, the Russians in oh, Game gosh, 2 at Maple Leaf Gardens. Yep. That's uh, one of the highlight reels of all time. It is, yeah. Uh, and playing with the Leafs, uh, let's go back. That's, that's a team that I really care about with uh, you're playing with, Frank, of course, as you would imagine. Um, there, there's a story. Now, my friend Paul Pasco, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring him up. Mm -hmm. He asked me to ask you a question. You scored your first uh, NHL hat trick against Jacques Plante in your rookie season. Uh, no, I scored my first hat trick against Glenn Hall in Chicago ah. on December the 1st. My first ah. hat trick in, in Maple Leaf Gardens was against Jacques Plante. Ah, so Paul, I even got Paul on that one. But but now, years later, when Kretschmann uh, was prime minister, he I think made, he was teasing you about Jacques Plante being such a great goal, and you'd scored the three goals against him. Right. And uh, I I don't know if you remember that. We were just kind of checking that out later right. on, and that was just one of the stories that came along with that hat trick. Yeah, I, I think he, he, Jacques Plante was a, was his hero. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, you were uh, you were the had the honor of being a senator for many years. What was that experience like being in uh, well, being I was, a senator? I was uh, quite honored, you know. And uh, when uh, Jacques, when uh, Jean Chrétien uh, uh, phoned me, uh, I uh, t I told him, I says, you know, I'm not a politician. Uh, he says, oh, you'll do fine. You'll just do fine. And as it turned out, he was right. I. Uh, I enjoyed it uh, immensely and working on different committees, uh, traveling and, and um, representing Canada throughout the world. Uh, it was it was a great experience. Frank, uh, you'll be at a card show on Saturday, uh, correct? That's on right. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be at uh, Frozen Pond? Frozen on, Pond, on yeah, on uh, Saturday, uh, the Saturday. 27th. And do you know what time that is? And uh, I know it's on 10 Buttermill, which is in uh, the city of Vaughan. Yeah, and and if you need, check the website www.frozenpond.ca, and uh, you'll have the notice of Frank Mahovlich being there to sign. And fans 
please come out and uh, right. and uh, honor Frank. Thank you very uh, much. I appreciate no, Frank, that. Now, we did mention Gavin Kirk, so I think it's only fair that we go yeah. to the WHA. Yeah. Tell us about the experience of moving from the NHL and, and moving into that league. I mean, maybe your expectations and what really developed playing in yeah. the league. Well, it, it was uh, a, a real change. Uh, you know, the expansion uh, was occurring, and uh, the Toronto Tours, I got a, an excellent offer. I was near the end of my career, and uh, I, I was looking for advice, and some of my advisors said that, that uh, you've got to take this uh, contract that they offered me, and uh, I did, and uh, it was uh, it was a great move. I had great experiences, players like Gavin Kirk and uh, Tom the Wayne Dillon. Simpson, and, and uh, they, we had a lot of uh, great players. Denimanski came from Czechoslovakia at the time, and uh, I, uh, I got to know a lot of different players, and uh, we never had uh, the greatest team, but we had good experiences. We... Uh, we uh, had uh, a lot of fun, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Frank, we have to wrap this up, but uh, thanks very much for coming on the air with us. And Thank we you. We really appreciate it. We really do. Thank you. I and hope we can do it again. Thanks, Frank. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. That was Frank Mahovlich, the big M. Can't get any better than that, can you? No. Well, we got Dick beside us here. Yeah, that's right. true. That's true. <laughs> no, I thought that Busher Jackson I'd never seen play, but Frank and him were probably the two best guys, left-wingers in Toronto. And he doesn't understand that I trained Bilbo and Conway before he got there. So, <laughs> Well, Dick, here's a question. We also won a cup a few times Dick, there, here, too. here's a question for you. Maybe you He can... only won it twice there. I got it four times. Well, here's one for you. What was the train? Uh, in 67, let's go back to that. Now, you scored the only goal. What was the train ride like kind of going back to Montreal from Toronto? After uh, losing, Mom, we had uh, we'd won the cup twice eh, before '67, and uh, to my own recollections, I mean, I would like to win three in a row because I, I I left Toronto when we won two, and then he won again, and I was glad. We, I wasn't glad, but I'm glad that Andy Bathgate was one one of the great players, and he had a chance to play here, and he had a chance to to win the Stanley Cup. That was great because he was a heart heart trophy w- winner player in in the NHL when he played there. But, no, we went back. I mean, we were disappointed because, uh, you know, Toronto was a fourth-place team that squeezed in, although they put Chicago, who Chicago was first that year, mm-hmm. you know. And we beat these guys. We might we might not have been totally ready because we beat them 6-2 in the first game in Montreal. And, um, no, they came back, and they had Stemkowski and Papa and these guys. They all played good. You know, Larry Hillman played good. Pronovo played good. Uh, you know, so... And when, when a team has won before, you know, they're... They're tough to track down again, you know, so. But we came back and won it two years after again, you know, so any time you can win. You know, Frank went there. Frank went there after I was just leaving Montreal, and, and, and they did it again, right, you know, so. The, uh, they treated Frank really great, and, and he liked it in Montreal. And, and I think Frank could have been treated better. Not that the fans certainly treated him well, but, you know, because the building was always full, they never had a sort of, over-promote their players, but Montreal showed a respect, or Sam Pollock did, or, or Mr. Selke did, for the guys who played there and, and what their contributions were to hockey and for the Montreal Canadiens. Right? That, that trade, uh, I remember that trade. It was Don McKinney and Andy Bathgate yeah. to Toronto. And Bobby you, Nevin and I went. And, and, you, Bobby and, Nevin, Arnie yeah. Brown, Rod Sealing, and yeah. Bill Collins, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, Bobby, Nevin, Bobby Nevin played nine years with the Rangers and, and was the captain, you know. And he fitted in good with Frank and, and Red when he played here because Bobby could always hold the defense guys up, you know, and he, he was good with the puck. 
That and, uh, to me, that trade set the lease back a couple of years. I know they well, won the it, cup, it, but what, what they, it really did send did. it back because Rod Sealing had a really big time career in Toronto yeah. and all over the place, really. But that took them back a few years. I but think. Nas, what what it did really is, is what, it, what when I look back, it, it started to break down what was the structure, like the Canadians, where where the guys that come to the team come through our system. Okay, Mahavish goes, Carl Brewer left at age twenty five, Dick Duff and Bobby never in the gun. Say, what is this? You you guys made this an expansion team. Okay, the, this city deserves more than that. You guys, you know, you got a, the guys that went out of here, like Frank, you just heard him talk there. He's a super player. And, uh, you know, so that was the, that was the breaking up of, uh, of the nucleus. And uh, I think it affected Kia and those guys, too, because they seen the, you know, the guys who sort of came out through the system, you know, uh, and they were disposed of kind of quickly. Well, I think to what it shows is nobody was safe. Everybody was vulnerable and exposed to possibly being traded. Yeah. I mean, your reaction at the time, how did you find out about the trade while we're on it? And I think uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was a pretty dark period for you during that uh, time, wasn't it? Well, I wasn't playing well, so I mean, I, I can understand. But, you know, they could have said, hey, sometimes when a guy is playing and he's a valuable asset, you've got to go and say, hey, we've got to get things corrected. We've got to get playing better, okay? That's just the way it's going to have to be. But anyway, so I was at home in the afternoon. We'd already had a team meeting at the, at the Maple Leaf Gardens. And uh, King Clancy phoned me and said, Dick, um, you got traded today. And um, when you come to the rink tonight, go in the inner dressing room and um, to the Rangers. And he, I, he said, there's another player involved. I said, well, who is it? He said, no, I can't tell you because I haven't phoned him yet. And so so I, I guessed and I, and I phoned. I said, Bobby, let me know if these guys phone you, right? And uh, so anyway, I went down there and I still played because, you know, we were still obligated to, to play in the league. We, we obligated to our contract, okay? And I talked to a former player after that was retired and was a wealthy guy. He said, Dick, you should went down and said, look, you guys give me 25000 This deal's off, okay? I'm not going anywhere. But anyway, I went to the Rangers, and it was, it was a new experience, and like everything else in life is. And then I had the good fortune to happen to go to the Canadians because Jill Trombley was getting sick with chronic asthmatic, and, and, and I think Sammy was looking around and said, I think this guy can play better. He's playing there. And uh, they bring me to the Canadians. It was like a reborn. We talked about an interesting trivia question, and you knew, you knew the answer. You mm. were traded to the Los Angeles Kings. <laughs> I think it was in 1970. Yeah. You were traded for um, Dennis Hextall, and Montreal ended up getting a second-round pick in that draft. Yeah. And you, you knew that it was Larry Robinson they ended up getting for, yeah. for you. Well, Sam made a lot of good trades, eh? And, uh, you know, uh, so, I mean, uh, I would have liked to stay with Montreal. And, and, and I told him, really, I said, look, I, I was getting near the end, and I, and, and I almost had enough, really. And I said, send me back to Toronto, and I'll play really good there. You know, I'll finish my career. I'll play with those guys. And he said, no, we're not sending you to any contending team, Dick. No, we're not going to do it, no. And uh, um, I said, well... He said, I said, the expansion, the, the, the L.A. guys, they're, they're dead last in the expansion division. He said, well, Dick, we can't do anything else other than that, right? So anyway, to tell you the truth, I was there. I went back to play because I was trying to recoup some money that, that, that I'd lost in the stock market. But anyway, everything worked out super. So I'm quite happy for everything that took place, really. Well, now, you know, you got traded from Toronto to um, New York. Mm -hmm. You ended up getting trade a deal back to LA, you end up in Buffalo with Punch again, and then the third time you right, cross paths once again, you were coaching the Maple Leafs for a while. You coached two games, I understand. 
Yeah, well, because uh, Floyd Smith had been in an accident, Joe Crozier was there. I, I would have liked to play in the American Hockey League. And the thing that happened in my case is that Imlock, you know, Imlock was a tough coach. It didn't matter because we, we were used to that kind of stuff, but the new guys weren't. And, and, and so I came there to, to, to be an assistant with, uh, with the Floyd Smith and, and Joe, Joe uh, Crozier coached after. And uh, and then then Imlock went to war with those players, right? You know, all those players. So you don't want to be a coach when 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 the boss is is uh, is giving these guys a rundown. And um, anyway, it all worked out good. I've been treated well by Toronto, and uh, I'm happy for my experiences and and the people I've met, and and I've enjoyed doing this program with you guys today. Thanks very much, Dick, for coming in. Mike, thanks for hosting us. This was absolutely tremendous. Tremendous, tremendous. So hopefully we can do it again. Be yeah, we ran out of. I mean, we could talk to these guys for hours. I mean, no uh, kidding. So please come on back, guys. Wally, you missed it, but see you next week. Okay. Thanks for listening into the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.